Welcome to Eat, Drink, Innovate, the podcast about food startups, innovators and entrepreneurs who are making their mark in Australia's dynamic food and beverage industry. The future of food is happening here. Come join Susie White at the table to eat, drink and innovate. Aha! Hi everyone, I'm Susie White, a product innovation coach, author and podcaster in the food and beverage industry from Melbourne, Australia. And welcome to the new year, it's 2020. Like all good New Year's resolutions, I thought we'd start the year feeling healthy and virtuous by sharing an inspiring startup story focused on a nutritious superfood business. So today I'm talking with Hayley Blyden. She's the founder of the Australian Superfood Company, which is dedicated to increasing the awareness, accessibility and affordability of the distinct flavours and health-enhancing properties of native Australian superfoods. In this episode, you'll hear how Haley was inspired to research the health properties of native foods that were being used by Indigenous sports athletes who she worked with as a sports dietitian. Determined to harness the impressive nutritional properties of these Australian native bush foods, Haley stepped out of dietary practice to start her very own food company. She now showcases the best of native Australian produce and works with Australian growers and Indigenous communities to foster a local superfood movement. And in the aftertaste section, I'll share with you a handy creative hack called Scamper, which can help you create new product ideas by making fresh connections with existing products. Welcome to the podcast today, Haley. Thanks for having me, Susie. Let's set the scene now for the listeners. How would you describe your role and what your business does? I'll start with the latter because I think that that's probably a bit easier to answer. The Australian Superfood Co. is a business that specialises in native Australian superfoods. We work with Indigenous communities and local growers to source native ingredients and we process them into shelf-stable high-quality ingredients, which we then supply to food and beverage manufacturers, cosmetic manufacturers, and food service. And why the hesitation over your role? How do you describe yourself? (laughs) So the business launched four and a half years ago. And when we launched, it was myself and my business partner, who happens to also be my father, Ralph. And at the time, we obviously were working with a few contractors and doing the rest in-house. And now we have a team of eight. And, you know, that includes from procurement to bookkeeping and warehousing. We obviously work really closely together as as you do in a small business, but my main focus at the moment is in supply and growing our supply chain. Let's go back to those early days when it was just you and your dad, Ralph, in the business. I'd love to know what prompted you to start this business and what were you doing beforehand? Beforehand, I was at uni. So I had I studied nutrition and dietetics at Monash University. You know, I've always been really interested in health and nutrition and how the two are linked. And that led me to study sports nutrition and work with the North Melbourne Football Club. So at this time, I was working with both Indigenous and non-Indigenous players. And I was also um, working in private private practice. And I was seeing the influx of imported superfoods in both of these worlds, where I was also working with Indigenous players and hearing about the foods that they'd consume when they went home for pre-season. And they would come back and they'd talk about their, you know, 
fresh fruit and veg like kakadu plum and wattle seed and aniseed myrtle and foods I'd never heard of. Yet as a dietitian, I considered myself a food expert and especially in superfoods or highly nutritious produce. So I started looking into these foods from a nutritional perspective and what I found was truly remarkable. Like kakadu plum, for instance, has the highest vitamin C content of any food on earth. Yet at the time, and we still are, we're importing camu camu for its vitamin C content. And just being aware of this and seeing that everyone is interested and we really need highly nutritious produce in the society that we live in today, yet not knowing the link to our own country and the link and, and what's highly nutritious and what grows locally and sustainably here led me up this path. So is it true that Australian native food and bush tucker does have superfood status? Absolutely. So, well, firstly, if you think about this beautiful country that we live on, it has sustained Indigenous people for over 60,000 years. So if you look at our country today, we have some of the harshest climates and the climates vary so much around the country. And they were able to live off the land and, li- and sustain themselves off this native produce. So it's, it's quite amazing. I can imagine that was a real aha moment for you. Why am I not talking to you as a dietitian running your own practice, <laughs> specialising in sports nutrition? I mean, what made you step into food manufacturing? That's quite a big leap. So our main goal when we launched the business was to make these ingredients more accessible and more affordable to Australians. So to increase awareness of these ingredients and to see them scattered along our supermarket shelves, like we see imported superfoods, and that's slowly, slowly starting to happen. But the only way that that could happen was to to process the Australian natives into a way that food and beverage manufacturers could utilise them. So if, if you speak to a food and beverage manufacturer and you find out what are the most important parts of ingredient sourcing to them, they'll bring up things like quality control from a a food safety perspective, quality control from a food consistency perspective as well. By processing these, the fresh produce, we're able to take control of things like the shelf life. And so by having an extended shelf life, food and beverage manufacturers are able to incorporate the ingredients into virtually any product. So now we're seeing products like kombuchas incorporating Australian natives, chocolate bars, gins, um, granolas, health food blends, so like superfood powdered blends, and all of them are taking advantage of the high nutritional density of these ingredients and also the interesting delicious flavours. And let's dive into that. Let's talk about those superfoods that you've identified and brought to market. You've got quite an extensive range. How did you know which ones to choose or focus on? So I think that that was a combination of which ones have a highly nutritious, which ones have a unique delicious flavour, and which ones are available in commercial quantities. So before we launched the business, we identified that native foods seem to trend every decade and two factors seem to limit supply, lack of consistent supply and lack of consistency of product. So we had to make sure that when we launched the products that we have, that we could source sufficient quantities of the ingredients to be able to have an annual supply and to not have to turn around to our customers and say, sorry, we've sold out. Yes, and I'd imagine that's a bit of a tricky one. I mean, are these ingredients professionally farmed and grown and harvested or found in the wild? How did you build your ingredient supply and set up that supply chain? 
every product has a different story. So Kakadu Plum, for instance, which is quite a hero product because of its nutritional qualities and also it's linked back to community, that today remains wild harvested throughout Northern Territory and WA. So as you can imagine, it's quite a fragmented industry. You know, we're working with in excess of 10 communities to source um, our Kakadu Plum when it's in season. But it's a really rewarding one as well. Last Kakadu Plum season, for instance, helped in excess of 800 Indigenous women to have seasonal employment. Other ingredients like Kwandong and Ribery and Davidson Plum, they're all cultivated like a normal farm. It's often they're much smaller farms. They're sometimes hobby farms. And it's about working with the farmers to identify the crops that we need and sourcing our ingredients from them. But we're also dealing with challenges that they've faced over the decades and the trends. So these farmers have been farming these ingredients often for 30, 40, 50 years, and they might have inherited the farm from their, from their parents. And so we're, we're working with them to firstly build their confidence in the industry, that there is an industry and demand is high for these ingredients, and then also encouraging them to plant more, plant more of the natives that they're growing and guaranteeing them a commercial partner in the industry. In terms of wild harvesting, which you mentioned then, how important is sourcing from the Aboriginal communities and employing Indigenous pickers? Is that an important part of your business? It's really important for us. When we first launched, our aim was to work as closely with Indigenous communities as we could and to source as many of our natives from Indigenous communities. That remains our goal today. And today we work with Indigenous communities for wild harvesting. We work with Indigenous farmers for cultivating, um, as well as non-Indigenous farmers as well. So it's very important and giving back to communities is also really important. So we've partnered with Red Dust Role Models, which is a not-for-profit that works within communities and it sends role models, often sporting celebrities, to the communities to engage them in different health promotion initiatives. So working with communities in, in a number of ways has helped us to remain focused on what are our values, what, what's the core of the business, and helping us to stay focused. And let's now go back to when you started up the business because I'd love to know what was your dad's response when you told him you weren't going to use the dietetics degree you'd been studying for and instead you were going to start a food business? He was very supportive, <laughs> um, possibly blindly supportive. He was really encouraging. He, he liked the concept. It wasn't, Dad, let's go into this full, full speed ahead and quit our jobs and make this our day job. It was a project that I was working on at the same time when I was working as a dietitian. And we started just kind of chipping away. There was about four years of research into the ingredients before we launched the business. And once we, we understood the supply chain and we understood the nutritional properties and how these ingredients could work in a food product, we then had to um, we then had to develop the product. So we worked with a number of food technologists to develop a snack bar. And then we launched this concept of Australian native ingredients with a range of snack bars. And so we thought that that would tick off our objectives of increasing awareness, affordability and accessibility of Australian natives because people understood what snack bars were. They consumed them regularly in their um, meal plans and it would just get this conversation started. Oh, now that's interesting because I thought looking at your range that you started with the ingredients like the native fruit spices and herbs, but no, you actually went into making a health bar first. Well, the ingredients themselves are quite unusual and the flavours are quite unusual and we thought that it would be too much and it wouldn't be able to go large enough scale to 
make the impact that we were trying to make. But interestingly enough, in order to develop the snack bars, we had to process the ingredients to form a shelf-stable, consistent product. And that's essentially what we're offering our customers today is this shelf-stable product that they can incorporate into their products. So we, we launched with the snack bars and we had a lot of interest initially in the concept. The first few months were really quite successful and people were really interested in having conversations about Australian natives. But then the sell-through rate of the snack bars wasn't very high. And so it really made us sit back and think, why are the, po- the conversations so positive but the sell-through not? There's kind of a disconnect between the two. And what we realised that people were interested in Australian natives. They didn't really care about our snack bars. Yes, what was going on there? Uh, There were a million snack bars out there and why was ours so special? Just because it had a bit of Australian natives in them. As a small business, to penetrate the market is really difficult and we realised that we could work with larger food and beverage manufacturers and with larger companies to help tell this story because the interest is there. And so that's where we've decided to focus. So it sounds like the the industry was just so new that you had to go and build the awareness first and go back to an ingredient base before you went on to a finished product. Exactly. And look, I think that for us now, it's still, we're still in that education piece, working with um, MasterChef. We, we had our Mountain Pepperberry on MasterChef last year, was, which was really exciting, working with food service. So having chefs incorporate the ingredients and it started off as really high-end chefs. So Dinner by Heston was one of our first customers. And that's when we started thinking about, wow, chefs are interested in these ingredients as well. And now we're seeing it trickle down from high-end chefs to cafes to bartenders. And they're just becoming part of, almost expected as part of any menu. Even Asian menus, for instance, are incorporating Australian natives to have that Australian-Asian fusion. To that point, it sounds like collaborations have been a key part of of growing your brand and your business. For example, I saw your brand with a couple of iconic biscuit brands on a Qantas flight recently. Is that a model of success that you'd like to do more of going forward? In the case of Qantas, Qantas had put a call out for Australian natives. And by having those conversations and having those relationships in place, that suppliers of Qantas, they knew where they could come and get the natives when, when a call-out was put was put there. But I think that the Qantas suppliers, they were able to, for instance, put our story on the back of their packs and make a great in, impact in the educational sense to help um, both local and international consumers to increase their awareness of these ingredients. Let's talk about your team now. You mentioned before you've currently got a team of eight and I'm just wondering, where did you go first in terms of recruitment and new team members? Where did you decide you needed the greatest help first? So at the time, we were outsourcing manufacturing, we were outsourcing design, and the first person we hired was in marketing and social media, content creation. And it's really funny because today, the last role we just outsourced was marketing and social media and content creation. Okay, you have to tell me more about that. So when we when we first started, we, we knew that increasing awareness was our number one role. That was in a B2C sense. So we were trying to talk directly to consumers to try and increase their awareness of Australian natives and our bars in particular. Over time, the business has pivoted and become more of a B2C business. And now it's all about the strong relationships we're building and the deep conversations we're having with industry about Australian natives. 
So while it's still really important for us to be having that conversation with direct consumers, it's something that we've decided to outsource that it's more integral for our team to be talking to industry and to, to having a deeper conversation. It's time for a quick break now to thank our sponsor. When we come back, you'll hear from Hayley Blyden of the Australian Superfood Company why they decided to focus on building a B2B business with a secure supply chain of Australian native ingredients. I'd like to say a quick thanks to today's sponsor who helped make this podcast possible, the Monash Food Innovation Centre. They can help you fast track and de-risk your new products in the Australian market or export markets like China. Did you know that only one in 10 food and beverage products survive the first year of launch? That means nine out of 10 fail. If you'd like to be one of those businesses that gets it right, then the Monash Food Innovation Centre can help. It has cutting edge technologies, product development services, and runs capability workshops to upskill business owners and employees in the art and science of food innovation. Whether you're a food startup or a large corporation, check them out at www.foodinnovationcentre.com and see how they can help grow your business through innovation. Welcome back. I've been talking with Hayley Blyden, the founder of the Australian Superfood Company. And so far, you've heard from Hayley how she highlighted and celebrated the superfood status of native Australian produce to create a range of superfood products and ingredients that are both delicious and nutritious. And I recently saw that Hayley had participated in an incubator program. And so I asked her... Why did she feel the need to go into an accelerator program when she was already running a successful business? We've been really fortunate to be part of the the Mars Seeds of Change Accelerator program. The accelerator program has really helped us to clarify our vision and our strategy. But at the time, we were quite confused about where we sat. Did we sit in the B2B space? Did we sit in the B2C space? Is it possible to sit in both spaces and do them both well? And that helped us focus on our key customers, which is in the B2C space. And that's why we applied really, because we were in this kind of limbo of who are we, what do we stand for? But what's really come out of the accelerator, which has been fantastic, we have identified that demand is really high. And while supply is sufficient at the moment, and we will have enough supply for the next few years, supply will end up being the largest issue. And so that's helped us completely refocus on what, for instance, my day-to-day roles are and what are Ralph's day-to-day roles. And we're now focused on supply and we're developing a model. We're working with current suppliers to increase their stock and also working with farmers to repurpose their properties, either completely repurpose or to diversify their crops um, to plant Australian natives. And there are so many benefits for farmers to planting Australian natives. And we talk to farmers about the challenges that they're facing with certain customers with prices and also environmental changes. And talking to them, for instance, to blueberry farmers, blueberries retail for approximately um, $16 per kilo and ryeberries retail for approximately $36 per kilo. And they grow in similar climate, or they grow in the same climate. So you might have a ryeberry farmer that's also growing blueberries or vice versa. And they require no pesticides or fungicides, less water, 
So it's less demanding on the environment, less capital inlay for a higher capital um, return. Wow. So you're right back at the farming level. Who would have thought that would be your focus now? And that's exactly it. And I I feel like when I started as a dietitian, I knew exactly my focus was on the nutritional benefits of Australian native ingredients. And now that's really changed and it's been quite challenging because I feel like there are so many knowledge gaps. We're able to work with with really knowledgeable people. We're working with botanists, propagators um, to, to identify the perfect crop to be harvesting and then to work with the farmers to, to harvest those crops and then to repurchase, obviously, the produce off them once they've, they've grown to maturity. And I really understand now why at the start, Hayley, you struggled to describe your role because it's just changed so much from when you first started the business and focusing on product development to now securing a steady supply chain. And so it sounds like that incubator experience really proved to be an invaluable strategic sounding board for you. It has. And I can't tell you the people that are involved um, in this accelerator, they have put their everything into it. Weekly meetings on the phone with the general manager of Mars and the R&D manager. And if we're having an issue with HR, we'll have the HR manager at our disposal just, just to have a quick chat on the phone. And they've been so giving and we've been so fortunate to be a part of this program to have these experts at our disposal. And you spoke earlier, Haley, about the importance of social media. And I'm just wondering nowadays, what are you doing to increase awareness and interest in the category and the brand? So we have our relationship building team, also our sales team. (laughs) Um, So we have the direct conversations with um, food and beverage manufacturers and food service. We also exhibit at um, expos. So we were at Fine Foods this year and Global Table and obviously, as a small business, you have to be very selective about which expos you exhibit at. Um, but we find that they're fantastic opportunities to be able to um, have direct conversations with the potential customers. We have to send out newsletters to those customers once they sign up. Um, so we have a monthly newsletter which outlines new products, growers that we're working with, recipes and how to incorporate Australian natives into your diet. And then we obviously have our social media where we've, we're currently focused on LinkedIn Instagram and Facebook. And something I would love to know and really should have asked earlier, how did you come up with the name for the business? Was that something that was difficult or you agonised over? We agonised over it because I thought that the Australian Superfood Co was a bit generic. Um, I wanted something, I remember the two plums because we worked with Davidson Plum and Cafferty Plum. I love that idea. But now that I realise the, fa- the challenges that we currently face, which is, you know, people aren't aware of what Australian native ingredients are, the Australian Superfood Co has been fantastic. It allows us to, to quickly and easily communicate what we do and who we are. It's actually just such a great master brand. You haven't limited yourself at all. You can put so many different products under that name. And I think that people understand it. People know what superfoods are. People want to learn more about superfoods and people love Australia. And so the, the two link together, both, both domestically and internationally, by linking Australia and superfoods together, it raises, it raises eyebrows. As you say, it's a super easy to understand name and it also is almost category leading So getting back to your product range, you've gone into granolas and air-dried superfruit. You've got superfood powders and extracts and gift packs. How do you get your ideas for new products and what's going to be a good fit for the product range? 
So where to go next really comes from our customers. We are not trying to come up with a new revolutionary idea. We are working with delicious produce, high quality produce. We are trying to meet the challenges or overcome challenges that our customers are facing. And and that's where, you know, if we launch, say, into fresh or frozen produce, it will be because our customers are telling us that they're struggling to source fresh or frozen produce. Or if our customers are struggling with, you know, shelf life or quality or consistency, that'll be the area that we focus in focus on. At the moment, there are over 6,500 edible botanic, Australian native botanicals. And we're trying to increase the supply chain of as many of those as possible and to increase awareness of as many of those as possible. So we just launched Old Man Saltbush and Sandalwood Nuts to the range last week. And we have another five or six that we'll be launching over the next few months. And you'll start to see products incorporating these ingredients pretty much straight away because we've already started selling them to our food and beverage manufacturers. So there'll be chocolate popping up with sandalwood in the next month or so, which is really exciting. Oh my gosh, they sound delicious. And I love the idea that you're the one fueling the future food trends. You're the one discovering and bringing to market the next generation of ingredients. And speaking of delicious things, let's talk about your product packaging, which is just visually stunning. And it looks like you've really focused in on bringing to life the Australian landscape and the colors and the icons. How did you get to that brand identity, the look and the feel that it is? I suppose it all comes back to, you know, we want to make Australian ingredients relatable, Australian native ingredients relatable and accessible. And so we worked with our designer, closely worked with our designer, and we wanted to change the way that people viewed bush tucker or which I suppose Australian natives were traditionally known as and to make it relevant and contemporary to Australians today. So we really want people to pick up you know, Kakadu Plum and say, what is this? What? Why do I want to be consuming Kakadu Plum? And for the packaging to be appealing and something that people consume on a daily basis, not, you know, only on special occasions. It's stunning. And it looks very export worthy. And by that, I mean, it seems to showcase the best of Australia. Is that something you're really interested in focusing on in the future and selling your product beyond Australia? Yeah, absolutely. It's something we talk about a lot. Um, we have decided to focus on the domestic market because we figure if Australians don't know what what's native to Australia, then we're going to struggle to to sell the produce offshore. We think that we have a big enough challenge locally. Saying that, over the last five months, export sales have increased dramatically and currently about 30% of our sales are exports, but we haven't focused on that and we haven't really pushed it. So we can only imagine the uptake once we do focus on it and we create product ranges for the export market. And thinking of your role now, Hayley, in building a secure supply chain, it sounds like a lot of that would be visiting the farmers and the growers and the pickers. And I imagine there's quite a lot of travel involved. So I was wondering, do you have a favourite place you really like to visit? I love Broome and Broome is a hot spot because that's where our Kakadu Plum comes out, where a lot of our Kakadu Plum comes from around the Broome area. And I also love Byron Bay and I've always loved Byron Bay and I'm just really fortunate that Lemon Myrtle, Aniseed Myrtle, Davidson Plum, Finger Lime all come from the Byron Bay region. So we've actually done two photo shoots in Byron Bay. <laughs> they could have been done elsewhere, but we're very lucky that, that so much of our produce is coming from that area that we can make it a work ho- working holiday. 
I can definitely imagine worse places to go. But it's amazing. You know, people think Australia, they think native Australia and they automatically go straight to Uluru, to Northern Territory, which is a beautiful part of Australia and holds a lot of our Indigenous heritage. But Australian natives and Indigenous Australia is everywhere. It's all over Australia. And so we're sourcing ingredients from, there there are ingredients that grow in Victoria, like um, mountain pepperberry, mountain pepper leaves, the strawberry gum, peppermint gum, but people don't necessarily associate Australian natives with these regions, which doesn't really make sense if you think about it. And something I always like to ask my guests on this podcast is if there is someone out there wanting to maybe start up a food or beverage business, do you have any words of wisdom or advice to give to them? Give me a call. <laughs> I'll help you along the way. I think my word, my words of wisdom would be don't launch a product just because you like it. Make sure that there's demand for it in the industry. Make sure that consumers actually want what you're looking at launching because if nobody wants it, if it's just you that likes it or in our instance, just because bars were popular, we thought we should launch another bar. If demand's not there, you're not going to sell any product and it's going to be a really, really difficult uphill battle. Yes, that's terrific advice. I think we're all a bit guilty of that, aren't we? Falling in love with our product and not finding a market for it. And Hayley, if the listeners would like to find out more about you and the Australian Superfood Company products and where to buy them, where's the best place for them to go to get that information? Go to our website at www.ostsuperfoods.com.au and we have our email address and phone number there if you have any questions. Great. And I will put those links in the show notes so people know where to find it. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for your time, Hayley. It's just such an inspiring startup story. And I already feel healthier and more virtuous just talking about superfoods with you today. I wish you every success in the future. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Susie. Aftertaste, the sweet taste of success. Thanks for sticking around. This is the part of the podcast when I think back on my chat with Hayley Blyden from the Australian Superfood Company and reflect on a topic that came up in today's podcast. And there's just so much I could talk about here, like Hayley's ability to convert her knowledge of nutritional superfoods into a business focused on championing healthy Australian produce. Or what about Haley's willingness to pivot her business from producing consumer-facing goods to building business collaborations and becoming a business-to-business supplier? Or we could also dive into the importance of building awareness and education around a newly created food category like Australian superfoods. However, today I'm going to be focusing on the underlying inspiration for Haley's business when she made the link between the global trend for superfoods that we're all familiar with, you know, kale, blueberries, green tea or chia seeds, and instead she linked it with native Australian bush tucker to create a new offer of Australian superfoods. Haley did this by making a fresh connection that was incredibly powerful and serves as the foundation of the Australian superfood company. This resulted in a new appreciation and awareness of native Australian ingredients that could be spoken about in a whole new way as superfoods rather than bush tucker. 
By doing so, Haley created a new food category that is both relevant and highly desirable to health-seeking people across the globe. So how could you use a similar approach in your business? Well, today I'd like to teach you a simple creative hack to do the same thing, make a fresh connection with an existing product to create something entirely new. And it's called Scamper. Now, people often protest to me that they cannot come up with new ideas and they tend to think that only geniuses are truly creative. But that's simply not true because everyone can think creatively. In fact, a creativity study by psychologists Connolly, Rutho and Schneider suggested that original ideas are generated by using a systematic and structured approach rather than just random brainstorming. So creative hacks like Scamper prompt you to systematically think differently and they help you to create new ideas. A hack is simply a shortcut. It makes things easier and faster. So creative hacks are thinking tasks that will help you switch into creative thinking very quickly. They tend to push beyond your automatic thinking response and they force you to consciously make new fresh connections that can generate new product ideas. Scamber is a tried and trusted creative hack. It was originally created by Alex Osborne and further developed into an ideation tool later on by Bob Erbel. It's one of the most popular and well-known creativity hacks due to its simplicity and ability to generate a large number of ideas from an existing product or category. Scamper is based on the idea that everything new is a modification of something that already exists. So each letter of the SCAMPER acronym represents a different question to help change or adapt the elements of an existing product. It typically generates product ideas that are still quite familiar or close in to what's already in market, which I call core or adjacent product innovations. So here's how you do it. Think about an existing product. It might be one you already have that you want to improve or a competitor product that you covet, or a product that you think could just be a good starting point for new product ideas. Then answer the following scamper questions to come up with as many new product ideas as you can. Firstly, S is for substitute. What could you take out or put in to come up with a new product offer? C is for combine. What could you add to make it more unique or valuable? A is for adapt. How could you change what that product normally is or what it does? This is a good time to think about the way it might be consumed, how it might be made, how it's packaged, or even the channel it's sold through. M is for modify. Could you emphasize or reduce what that product normally is, what it does, or what it's made of to come up with a new idea? P is for purpose. What else could that product be used for? E is for eliminate. What could you remove or delete from that existing product to come up with a new offering? And lastly, R is for reverse. What could you reorder? Think about the way the product is made or sold or packed. Could you reverse the order of those things to come up with a new product opportunity? 
Well, that is a very quick run through of the Scamper Creative Hack. If you would like to see an example of that exercise and how it's used, you can check out page 104 of my book. That's Innovation Feast, Create New Product Ideas to Feed Your Hungry Business. And there's also a handy template there that shows you how to capture ideas from these fresh connections. You can find a copy of Innovation Feast for sale online at all good bookstores like Amazon, Booktopia, or the Book Depository, or go to my website, www.eatdrinkinnovate.com.au. As always, I love hearing about your business. How is it shaping up in the new year? Do you need to make some fresh connections to get to new product ideas? And could Scamper help you? Feel free to give me a call on the Eat, Drink, Innovate podcast hotline. It's 613-884-823 and leave me a message. Well, that's it for this episode. Many thanks to my guest today, Hayley Blyden of the Australian Superfood Company for sharing her amazing business story with us and kicking off 2020 in such an inspiring way. And thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to subscribe, tell a friend and join me for the next episode to eat, drink and innovate. Do you have any suggestions about successful food or beverage entrepreneurs and innovators in Australia that you think Susie should be talking to? You can get in touch with her at eatdrinkinnovate.com.au forward slash podcast and find all the show note links and innovation resources there too. And if you like this podcast, please help others discover it by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from. 